You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode 192. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jelan Lavin and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey, Sanesan! Hey! Yay! So great to be together. Yes! If virtually only. We're virtually well, together. We'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll find a way to be... Uh, well, physically at the same place at the same time at some point, won't mm. we? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, so uh, how have you guys been? D- good. Good? <laughs> Nothing busy. special? Busy, good. <laughs> busy, busy yeah. with numbers? Busy with, yeah, work and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, and fun, I guess. We we actually, uh, we we were making our own wine this weekend. And by making wine, I don't mean taking grapes and walking all over them extracting juice you started with water right so you <laughs> took water into it <laughs> that's a good one amen <laughs> no we were just given like variety of wine and then we mixed our own wine so it's quite interesting mixing wine yeah, you know that joke right then when uh, the old winemaker calls his son to his deathbed and tells him that I've, I've got a secret for you and then oh what is it that um you can make wine out of grapes <laughs> <laughs> it's an ongoing joke in um well re- really shitty corner pubs in hungary where uh, you don't know what the get. best quality wine no. is what you get yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know those people who go there they don't even care about <laughs> about the quality <laughs> of the wine so okay so um it's not it's not only us that 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 have been busy I've, i was traveling again of course in italy this is that time of the year yeah. but uh, i tried to keep following the news and uh, oh my god the things that are going on you know that that fucking orange idiot mm. over on the on the other side of the pond mm. on our side of the pond <laughs> yes oh that's your right. side of the pond <laughs> yeah. uh, and and i feel more and more sorry by the day for you <laughs> To live I, in that country. Yeah, I, it's. I'm watching it fairly closely, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's been very. Um, I, I I really view it as a soap opera. I know. <laughs> it's, I know. I shouldn't because it's l- real life, but it is indeed. It's just not. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, but it's so crazy that it's now absolutely surrounded by all kinds of different actual fake news and actual fakes. He held a press conference with the president of Finland, mm. uh, Sauli Niinistö. Is that how you pronounce it? Pro- I have no idea. Do you? You have no idea. Yeah, yeah. We always assume that because you're so close to Norway, you have something to say about how they pronounce things. But I wouldn't be able to say anything about like how to pronounce Slovakian, Slovenian words or anything. So yeah, but you said Norway, but we're talking about Finland. Oh fuck me! Oh yeah. Um. Yes. <laughs> even more so. Yeah. Even more so. And Finnish is more related to Hungarian than it is to Swedish. So uh, it is indeed. Yeah. 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 And Norwegian would be more related to Swedish, right? That's right. Okay. Okay. So okay. Now, so I totally mixed the whole thing up, but never mind. 
So uh, there, there, there was a video circulating online about Finnish President Sauli Niinistö, and um, it was supposed to be him remarking on the previous press conference, saying something along the lines of that uh, I still prefer reindeer and snow to the president. And uh, it turns out that it wasn't even him. No. It wasn't even the president. <laughs> well, and uh, a lot of people shared it without spotting that it, it wasn't the actual president. Yeah. It was um, uh, Rob Paulson, an actor <laughs> who did a bit of a, a sketch out of this. It was funny, but it, it shows us how really, really uncritical we, we can be when it comes to content close to our hearts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Things that we want to be true, we fall exactly. for all the time. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So funny, funny, funny. And while traveling in Italy, you know what happened? No. I bumped into Alice Haworth. Oh, <laughs> small world. Really? <laughs> In Ravello. Uh, she was there with her partner. Fellow so- podcaster. Yes, fellow podcaster yeah. and researcher. And uh, she's, a, she's a brilliant skeptic. Yeah, it was so nice. She did post on Facebook that she would be around the area. Then I spotted it. That, oh my God, I'm right there, right at the same place. But because of my schedule, you know, I'm always tight with my schedule uh, with the groups. I wouldn't have dreamt of just bumping into them. And as I was leaving my group for a little bit of free time that I can, I can give the group, I was walking down some flight of stairs in the middle of Ravello on top of, well, a little bit higher up from Amalfi. I don't know if you've been there. It's a gorgeous little town. And uh, Alice and her partner was uh, were just walking up on the same stairs uh, <laughs> on the streets it was it was amazing like up oh, uh yeah i knew you were here but i wouldn't have dreamt of this yeah so uh it was great yeah. seeing them I, I just if if people are not aware it's skeptics with the k that's the yes, podcast that's she the is podcast. co-hosting yes mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. And she keeps giving talks and everything, uh, oh. mostly about uh, cancer, uh, cancer and cancer, cancer cures. cures yeah. And and she's doing an amazing job in educating yeah. people into why it's bogus uh, sometimes and what's actually going on in actual science and scientific research. So great. Yeah, and and in other news, there was of course the Nobel Week last week. Uh, always nice. Yes. So good to have some focus on on scientific discoveries. Mm-hmm. But it's also good to get skeptical organizations more visible in the mainstream media. That was what happened in Spain last Sunday, but when there was an article apropos the Nobel week concerning the Nobel disease. We have mentioned the Nobel disease before, right? In the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's when, when Nobel Prize winners start to spread misinformation in areas that they know nothing about because they think they know everything just because they got that Nobel Prize on the wall. But anyway, the newspaper, it's ABC, in, but I don't know, in Spanish it's ABC, maybe? <laughs> it's, in, anyway, it's the third largest news, newspaper in Spain. They had a long article about the Nobel disease, and the article was based on an interview with Emilio José Molina, who is the vice president of ARPSAPC, and also a member of Circulo Escéptico. So the two oh. major, two major <laughs> skeptical organizations, and that was mentioned in the article. He is, by the way, also the author of a book called Las Pseudotherapias, the mm-hmm. pseudotherapies. Yeah. So it was a good article. It was going over some examples of Nobel Prize winners who have promoted bogus things in the past. And also uh, an explanation on how to to recognize some of the most common logical fallacies in connection with the Nobel disease. So, so very nice. So 
good for the Spanish skeptics to get some visibility and we will link to the article. It's in Spanish, but it, Google Translate works fairly well. <laughs> it's being developed more and more by today. So yeah. Um, yeah. I've noticed it myself today that the translation works so much better now than it even was like last year. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing project, and uh, they are act- actually working on it, and mm. this is pretty good. Mm. I was traveling through Slovenia to and from Chikapest. I had to stop at um, charging stations, and oh my god, the Google Translate—you know, the one that you can use with your phone. Mm. Oh yeah. You just hover it in front of the yeah. the text. And yeah. it translates it real time in the picture. Yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I had the most hilarious incident with this translator in a restaurant in Switzerland, I think. Okay. And we were trying to translate dishes because they didn't have anything, any menu in English. <laughs> and I think there were donkey balls or something like that on the menu that was translated. <laughs> and we were laughing so hard with Brad. I just couldn't believe it. I still don't know what it was. I don't know why, okay. why why they would have anything called donkey balls on the menu. And Who knows? He knows it could be donkey balls. <laughs> could be. I never got to the bottom of it because, like, obviously it's not the 100%. The bottom, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not 100% accurate, right? <laughs> no, no, they still need to improve it. <laughs> no, no, but, it, it, but it's is. fairly good. It's fairly good and, and uh, it's usable now. So in real life, you can actually make pretty good use of it. However, we should we should make pretty good use of the, our time. Oh yes, and yes. Uh, why don't we start with the usual thing, which is you, Yelena, sharing something with us that uh, is relevant for this week. So I want to talk about the documentary. It was actually a mockumentary that was released on uh, October the 16th, 2002. Not so long ago, I guess, relatively. Although, if you think about it, it is 17 years ago. Mm. And it was a mockumentary called Dark Side of the Moon. It was a French mockumentary done by the director, William Carell. It originally aired on the Franco-German television network with the title Operation Lune. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> Anyways... This mockumentary talks about how the um, whole of the landing on the moon, the Apollo 11, was faked. Apparently, it was recorded in a studio by the CIA with the help of director Stanley Kubrick, (laughs) out of all people. (laughs) So they uh, employed several tactics in creating this mockumentary. So they've had um, interviews of so-called witnesses who were played by the actors. And also they've taken the footage of the existing interviews with various people that are famous. Stanley Kubrick's wife actually was one of them. But they used the interviews for... For other things, and they chopped and changed and fit made, made this these interviews fit the um, narrative of the movie to show this plot line how the Apollo landing was faked. So there was uh, footage of Henry Kissinger, Donald Rumsfeld, CIA director Richard Hel- Helms. So they made it look kind of plausible, but it was full of pretty big. Halls. So, for example, all the uh, actors um, who they interviewed, so-called witnesses, they all had names uh, of the characters from uh, Stanley Kubrick's movies, or uh, like that. That, like, for example, uh, misquoted date of the actual moon landing, or you know, j- just little little things like that throughout the whole of the mockumentary. 
so anyways, at the end of the movie, they announce that it is, in fact, just a, a bit of a laugh. You know, it's it's fake. <laughs> and they released bloopers afterwards where the actors kind of laugh about the whole thing. However, it comes as no surprise to you probably to know that this movie was picked up by the real conspiracy theorists around Moon Landing. And they since chopped and uh, cut bits out of this movie to prove their point that the uh, moon landing oh, never happened <laughs> so it's really ironic yeah. and uh, they they've since been kind of thanking this director for, for proving their point <laughs> so yeah i guess ironic in a way but i think it's, it's uh, the most hilarious part of this when they try to bring in stanley K kubrick is that stanley kubrick was such a perfectionist that they say that stanley kubrick if he decided to shoot a moon video he would have only done it on the surface of the moon because he was such a perfectionist <laughs> so maybe that's so, how it happened yeah yeah, yeah. could be <laughs> Who knows? And uh, I think I think there was only one bit of special effect in the whole mockumentary, and it was a photo showing portrait of, of Kubrick on the lunar soil. But everything else was just a montage of various bits and pieces. Mm. It was actually um, a very, what at the time was thought of by the director and the filming crew, an innocent joke. They just wanted to make like this, you know, a mockumentary about one of the silly conspiracy theories. But as we now know, these type of conspiracy theories, including the, the moon landing hoax, only became stronger with time. Because uh, I, I hear yeah. about these things all the time now, you know, it's uh, yeah. it kind of grows. It's a bit like snowball, these things, you know, they just gather momentum as the time goes by rather than being debunked and uh, going into the oblivion. So that's kind of uh, an interesting bit of trivia for for people out there. <laughs> Mm. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen this mockumentary myself, but um, it's probably an interesting, uh, an interesting one to watch. <laughs> and and I do like the the title of it because it's 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 a good use of the of the work of Dark Side. Mm. However, there are did you know that there are a lot of people who do think that the far side of the moon is actually the dark side of the moon. Yeah, which, which is, is not true. No, Sometimes the dark side of the moon is the the side that faces us. Yes, and it is almost the same all the time because the moon is in a synchronous rotation it means that it keeps the same face towards the earth as it rotates and it uh, revolves so as it keeps on track on its orbit it's it's almost the same face the same thing that we see and it's it's a fascinating thing but the dark side keeps moving as the moon keeps moving in position between the sun and, and the earth. So we, we always see a different side of the moon lit up by the sun. All right. So thank you very much, Ilana. Thanks. And uh, I'm also interested in what Pontus has this week to poke the Pope for. Well, uh, Francis has practiced his tweeting skills this week. And on Sunday... He wanted to tweet about the canonization of five new saints. And he, so he, uh, because you as a pope, you sometimes appoint new saints. That's just business week for him. But but five at the same time? You've got enough already. Come on, no, stop. No, he, he, he likes to do that. So he took five yeah. this week. Yeah. So he tweeted, Today we give thanks to the Lord for our new hashtag saints. They walked by faith and now we invoke their intercession. 
But what Francis didn't realize was that just like all the other NFL teams in the US, the New Orleans Saints has its own hashtag. And you can guess what it is. It's hashtag Saints. So that means that when you so when you put in hashtag Saints, Twitter automatically adds their the football team's logo afterwards. <laughs> so it looked like Francis was a big football fan, and the regular fans were very quick to pick this up, and they were very very happy about the whole thing. Hilarious. <laughs> Can I just mention one thing? In Montreal, there is this uh, this big church. It's called Mary Queen of the World. And uh, it's the seat of the Catholic uh, uh, diocese. So it's a cathedral. Now, there are the, the patron saints of the 12 local parishes on top of it in the presence of Jesus Christ, of, of course. However, the local guides keep telling the tourists as a joke that uh, it's a local hockey team that you <laughs> see on top. So it's very similar. So it's uh, Montreal, Montreal Canadians um, yeah. on top of a church building, which resembles, by the way, uh, St. Peter's Basilica in, uh, in Rome. Yeah. So be careful not to confuse your religion with your uh, local with your sports, sports yeah. team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but more seriously, I wanted to follow up on the ongoing synod about the Amazon that I talked about last week. It will keep on all of uh, October, so they're just getting started. Uh, it was started by an opening speech by Cardinal Claudio Chumis. And I've had to look it up now because he's such become such an important person. It's spelled H-U-M-M-E-S, but apparently it's, it's supposed to be pronounced Chumis. So, Claudio Chumis did not beat, about, beat around the bush. He directly addressed the need to consider appointing married priests in the Amazon, which is, of course, the big controversy. But he also went further, saying it may also be necessary to appoint women to suitable ministry which uh, I don't know exactly what he meant by that. But the interesting thing is that that comment reportedly generated applause in the Synod Hall. So maybe they are trying to be more modern there. We'll see. We'll see how far they get. But the Synod was already also criticized by one of the female participants for the fact that we mentioned last week, and that is that only men will be allowed to vote on the eventual outcome. The person who criticized this was medical mission sister Birgit Weiler. I think she's German. And she said to a journalist at a Vatican news briefing on 11th of October that participation cannot be regarded complete if you're not allowed to vote, which of course is absolutely true. So more about the Synod will follow in the weeks to come. This is the big Catholic event this fall, and it will be very interesting to see where they get. It's hard to see where it will all end up, but so far it's been reported that an estimate of two-thirds of the bishops actually seem to support married priests in the Amazon. But also there is report that the Canadian Cardinal Marc Ouillet, who by the way was considered as one of the candidates to become Pope when Francis got appointed, he got a stand innovation when he defended celibacy. So... Uh, they're not really modern, are they, uh, in the Vatican? But we'll see how it develops. Okay. Well done, Pope, again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Papa Francesco. Allora. Yeah, thanks very much, Pontus. Let's move on. Yep. Um, and uh, we have a lot of news items. Yes. Yes. 
And the first one among them will be something that I think is an amazing initiative. And uh, it's, it's a pretty good project that is starting right now as we speak. We are recording on Monday the 14th, but it is lasting until the end of the week, the 19th of October. So when this goes out, it will still be on. And it is an online global vaccination summit. So it's not something big and fancy. You don't need to go to a location. You just need to register. It's free of charge. And uh, you will get access to all those interviews that will be used for uh, fighting vaccine hesitancy. So the idea came from Cathy Peters, a nurse and authority on immunizations and travel health, as um, Outbreak News Today puts it. And she has taken this initiative and she says... I am deeply concerned about the lack of quality information available to parents and health professionals about vaccinations and that to the sensationalism of the anti-vaccination movement and we're looking at a very serious situation for our communities. Of course, we have reported on a couple of announcements by the, the WHO and different health authorities as well across Europe and across the world indeed that are concerned with the ongoing vaccine hesitancy and its results in the decline numbers of uh, vaccinated people, uh, especially young people, and the emerging numbers of, of vaccine-preventable illnesses. This is very important because this initiative uh, tries to tackle the misinformations and the lack of proper quality information available for, for parents. Because parents always want the best for their children, right? Mm. I think we can agree on that. But the problem is that if they don't have access to quality information, then they they cannot make the right decision, or not necessarily. Now, Cathy Pieces points out that she does support freedom of choice when it comes to vaccination. I don't necessarily agree with that, at least not in every situation. However, she does everything in her power to put out all the right and correct quality information for parents. So it's something uh, worth sharing. I think it's important because it's a global vaccination summit. So you don't need to concern yourself only with this if you're based in, um, in the US or somewhere else. So I'm pretty sure that if we get the right people and and she has a very long list of uh, people that she will interview. So keep an eye out for these. And if that's not enough, or if, if you want to join her discussion group on Facebook, that's another thing that you can use. It's very similar to what we've reported on with regards to the Romanian initiative mm. led by Ovidio Covacu. And this is in English. And the title of the, gr the group is Supporting Health Professionals and Parents with Vaccine Decisions. If you start writing Supporting Health Professionals and Parents, you will land on that group's site. So uh, join the group and uh, you can have access to good stuff. Uh, it looks like she's uh, sharing a lot of um, information that is coming from uh, healthcare professionals who have access to the, the, the quality information. Obviously, we will link, link to them on the show notes. Very good. Very good. Sounds like a great initiative. It, it really does, yeah. Let's go to France. I was shocked to hear about the protests in France against a new law legalizing IVF treatment for single or lesbian women. 
The new law is in draft at the moment and it will be brought in front of the Senate later this month. But tens of thousands of people took to the streets in Paris on the 6th of October to try to stop it. And the law would just bring France to the same level of rules that are already in effect in many other EU countries. So it's not, I wouldn't think it was that controversial. But there were a lot of demonstrations with slogans like, uh, where's your daddy and everybody needs a father and i just want to point out that that's demonstrably wrong there have been studies of this and in some cases those studies even seem to indicate that children of gay parents or with two mothers if you will they're actually doing better than the average kids now of course that can possibly be explained by the fact that it's harder for a gay couple or a single parent to get children so when it happens these children may be more welcome or genuinely really be wanted so that could reflect that you know any heterosexual dumb fuck can get pregnant but um, even if that effect may not be there or it's not that strong the fact is that you don't have to be brought up in a traditional family to be happy and to do well so uh, yeah well anyway what i want to say is that it's um, it's amazing to me that people don't know this in uh, 2019 so I, i hope the law passes we will see Apparently, as the latest polls show, almost 1% of Dutch people believe that uh, the Earth is flat. What? And it's um, quite a lot of people, actually. It's, it's over 150,000 people. But the Netherlands is very flat, so maybe it's that's where, why they have that confusion. <laughs> well, there's something about that. Yeah, but I, I, the Dutch people have a tendency to travel a lot, so I <laughs> yeah. don't think they... They only see their own country in, in okay. that regard. 1%, that's quite high. Yeah, that's 150,000, as I mentioned. But um, there is a question around how good the research was conducted and how well the questions were put. So, ah. for example, one of the questions that uh, was asked was phrased in the following way. NASA and other organizations do everything to obscure that the Earth is not a globe but a flat disk. And so there's an argument to be made to say that even those people who, not necessarily flat earthers, but they think that NASA and other government organizations are normally sort of hiding some truth or a bit dodgy, they might have said that, yes, they do believe that NASA obscures something or the other. There's something to be said about the way the research and the polls are, are conducted and the questions that they ask. There is no denying that more and more people have less and less faith in governmental bodies and organizations like NASA, just because of the, the if there's like a scandal that comes out and uh, it, it normally blows all over the place and um, everybody talks about it and of course it's very hard to maybe recover and, mm. and so there is a trend but I don't think there is as many flat earthers as um, this study shows although maybe it's just me but I am hearing more and more about flat earthers especially in the recent year and a bit mm. so maybe there is a revival <laughs> in the movement but that's a good point you have there that it's very difficult to put the question on in a poll in a way that you really get an answer that you want without, really because people can interpret the question differently. And without like leading them as well right yes yeah um so but there you go surprised hmm? i thought i thought dutch people are better than this <laughs> <laughs> well that, that's people are people so 
they have their own biases and, and uh, their own approach to misinformation. But there is uh, something going on in uh, Germany that is uh, really, really positive that I see with regards to uh, the participation of different political parties, at least sidelines of these different parties. There is this youth socialists working group in the SPD, the SPD being the Socialist Democratic Party of Germany. They gave their support to an initiative that was not done by their own mother party, but the Green Party. So it looks like a bit of a cross-party stand-up against homeopathy and the funding of homeopathy in the national healthcare system. So the Green Party put out an initiative against the current preference of homeopathy not too long ago, at the beginning of September. And this is something that members of the party can sign and that there will be a federal delegate conference in November the 15th, uh, between November the 15th and 17th of the Green Party in a place none other but Bielefeld the no, famous I don't Bielefeld that doesn't even exist so I don't believe it <laughs> so it's uh, it's pretty fun However, the young working group of uh, SPD joined this initiative in a way, not by signing the, the petition, because it's only for the Green Party members, but they put out their own motion to abolish reimbursements for the costs of homeopathic treatments. Because, as they say, it is completely unjustifiable to financially support something that doesn't have a scientific basis. And it it is scientifically proven not to be working beyond placebo. So it looks like there is something, there is political support for the ousting of homeopathy from the national healthcare system in Germany. I cannot help but think that it has to have something to do with the national initiative of uh, the Information Network Homeopathy, uh, which is an amazing project going on in Germany. So, But even if it's just an effect that these politicians pay more attention to the problems regarding homeopathy and the funding of it, I think it's amazing and it's, uh, it's looking good. I'm really hoping to see more and more parties jumping on the bandwagon and uh, joining these initiatives in Germany. Well done. Maybe they can even even influence Jens Spahn, who didn't want to run from the homeopathy. (laughs) Yes, that's right. I'm also a bit surprised that the Green Party is taking this initiative at first, because in Sweden, the Green Party is the party that is most positive towards alternative treatments and stuff. But I guess uh, it's different in different countries. Well, yes, looks like it. All right. I want to do a follow-up of last week's news about a Swedish political party who wants to ban circumcisions. The news cycles have now focused very much on, on that subject. And despite the fact that circumcisions are legal in Sweden, it turns out that there's a full business of non-medical persons providing this so-called service. And I learned to my surprise this week that it's relatively easy also for non-professionals to get a license to perform this procedure if you only do it to boys younger than two months. Apparently you can get this license and start your own business on this. That's crazy to me. I don't know why that is. There have been stories in the news about people who do this, even without a license and even without being a doctor, 
and uh, doing it uh, on children uh, even above the age of one. So uh, it illustrates what we said last week, that it's a much more complex issue than just to ban the practice. That, that will not help. I'm in principle against circumcision, unless it's, of course, done for medical reasons. But making it illegal in the hospital will only just create an exploding underground business of quackery, which is, would be horrific and already exists, apparently, to some extent. So I don't know what the solution would be, but as usual, what appears to be a simple solution is very seldom the right one. And we should bear, in, bear that in mind always. We should bear in mind as well that uh, investigations are the way to find out if something is true or not. And uh, it's a good way of telling the story of science uh, in the meantime as well. So uh, when you want to enlighten people, I don't like to use that word too often because it, it, it has some kind of an arrogance to it. But um, but obviously, if you want to educate the, the general public into uh, why something is considered pseudoscientific, you need to do investigations and show them to people. I mean, demonstrate how the investigation is made. And this is what CICAP, the Italian skeptical organization, does all the time. They have a group of investigators, Gruppo Indagini CICAP, and it's led by a person by the name Andrea Berti. He's the coordinator and um, he graduated at the University of Pavia. And uh, he does a lot of research and investigations into paranormal claims with Luigi Garlaschelli, whom we all know, who's, uh, who's a brilliant chemist and um, has done some pretty good stuff into the Shroud of Turin and uh, miracles like uh, that of San Gennaro the, with, the, with the liquefying blood and everything. So they recently published a book. By they, I mean Chikap, because uh, Chikap does that all the time. They have a lot of books that they have published and they are all available. There is an online bookstore on Chikap's website. And now now this one is available. It's uh, by the title Detective of the Incredible. Unfortunately, it's only available in Italian, but uh, who knows, it, it might get out in English at some point as well. It explains a lot of different topics uh, and cases, intriguing cases investigated between 2009 and 2019. So 10 years of all the different investigations done by Chikap. So amazing. I can't wait to get my hands on uh, on a copy. You can buy um, an actual hot copy. You can buy an EPUB file and you can you can combine the two as well on the Chicap's website and obviously we will link to that. So Andrea Berti and Luigi Garlaschelli, Detective dell'Incredibile. Detective of the Incredible. Hmm, good. Okay. This is a, a news item that uh, was released a couple of weeks ago about a French pharmaceutical company that went on trial because of a drug called Mediator. This drug uh, was given to people who uh, had type 2 diabetes and were overweight, and also it was used for those healthy individuals who wanted to lose weight. And uh, what has transpired, actually fairly quickly after the drug was launched, that the uh, prolonged... Um, usage of the drug caused irreversible damage, heart damage. And uh, now over 500 people died from using, using this drug and another hundreds and hundreds will die because uh, they're now on a, a very short... They're, they're basically li living very poor lives. Uh, the, the quality of life deteriorated and they're going to die very shortly. 
So even though this just came to light now, um, this drug was allowed to remain on the market for the 33 years because actually everybody kind of kept quiet. And basically, a lot of people are now being held accountable. There will be over a hundred witnesses that will testify. This trial will take months. Uh, I think they're talking about seven months or something like that for the next seven months. Over 300 lawyers involved and just uh, like completely heartbreaking, really. I'm assuming the reason why this drug was, was uh, kept on the market is so that the company can could continue making money off it, even though it was apparent that it was um, life-threatening to keep taking it. But this story sort of comes in time where we're now seeing this uh, rise in uh, mistrust in, in pharmaceutical companies and uh, doctors and uh, prescription medications. And it doesn't help anything. It doesn't help our cause. <laughs> yeah, mm, because it's true. Because here is the case of a, of a real tragic story and uh, people who are against modern medicine will very much uh, take this and run with it and I wouldn't blame them. And France is actually has got one of the highest anti-vaccination movement and, and we know how many problems they had over the past couple of years and Pontus, you reported um, more than once on, on the numbers of measles in, in France and how they uh, introduced... Mm-hmm. Did they introduce mandatory vaccinations? Yes, they have. Yeah. They have. So they introduced- well, it They've had for a while, actually. Yeah. Mm. So the trust is eroding and, and these type of things don't help. No. It's a very heartbreaking thing. but uh, And I don't really have particular words of wisdom or anything. I just wish there was a better mechanism in place to get these things flushed out quicker. And I'm just hoping that this case will help uh, to put some safety net in place and some other uh, sort of checks and balances and the agencies that will be able to be more effective in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, let's keep moving on, and I would like to hear who's been really wrong this week, Pontus. All right, so uh, while Francis is busy tweeting and the Synod is deeply concerned about who gets to be married to whom, (laughs) the Catholic Church continued to do what they do, and we know what that means. Almost unnoticed because... (laughs) almost unnoticed because it happens so much there is yet another abuse scandal being reported and this time it's here in Sweden and since it kind of involves my personal cardinal Anders Arborelius I Mm. wanted to bring it up now for listeners who are not aware Arborelius who is Swedish was appointed cardinal by Francis in 2017 and he was the first ever Swedish cardinal to be appointed I call him my personal cardinal because he happens to be the son of my maternal grandmother's very good friend, which means that my mother used to babysit him when he was a boy. (laughs) And I remember him quite well from that time. He is a bit older than me, though, and um, we were never friendly, but I I remember we've met. Uh, I also still have his first edition Moomin book at home, but um, that may be not important. The important thing is that this new scandal is about two American priests that were reassigned from the US to Sweden, one in the year 2000 and the other in 2003, after allegations of sex abuse. This has now come to light because of a list that was published in the US of of known sexual predators. And wouldn't you know it, 
Both of them continued to abuse people several times here in Sweden. I don't know if it was children or if it was adults, but still. And they were reassigned a few times until Arborelius himself requested that they would be reassigned outside of Sweden. Get rid of them from here. But at no point, not in the US, not in, here in Sweden, was this reported to the police. You just take the predators, you move them to another place to cover it up, and of course they can go on and do what they do in the new place. That's really terrible. So Arborelius was interviewed now recently regarding this, and his only statement was, and I quote, we have to do better, end quote. How can that still be? Why should we be expected to believe that statement when the abuse allegations committed by the Catholic Church have been in the news for decades? How can they still say, well, we have to do better? They seem to be either totally unwilling or unable to do anything about this. And I think uh, the only conclusion I can get to is that they don't care. So, for helping out in covering up sexual abuse, because that's what he did, Cardinal Anders Arborelius gets today's prize for being really wrong. Well, we should start handing out the being a motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he needs a pin. Well. Yeah, a pin. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a motherfucker. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Fuck the motherfucking bulb. Yeah, 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 yeah. And cardinals, some of them. Not all of them, of course. We, we don't like to generalize, but uh, the number of cases that uh, surface every day, those are pretty alarming. Yeah. Okay, so I think this concludes our show. But before we go, I would like you, Yelena, to hit us with a quote. Yes, it's a pretty, pretty, pretty good quote. No, sorry, <laughs> this is for those who watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, it's from a... It's from a French author and winner of Nobel Prize in Literature, André-Paul-Guillaume Guidet. He said, Most often people seek in life occasions for persisting in their opinions rather than for educating themselves. The end. So true. So true. To be fair, I think it happens mm. to all of us. Yes, it's yes, very it does. hard to change We've your opinion. We've got to be aware. Yeah, we have to be aware. Yeah, you need to make, make yourself aware that this, this happens and that gives you strength and yeah. some momentum to get over it and uh, to do better. Yeah, but, um, be yeah. better. Do Most better. of us are just lazy to change our minds because it's difficult. It's All right, so thank you very much, both of you, Yelena and Pontus, for joining me this week. All right, guys. Thank you. Pleasure. I'd like to thank our listeners as well for tuning in. Please keep doing so. And until next week, goodbye. Paka paka. Bye bye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. 
If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Kisha J. Gray and George Rubb and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. Wunderschön. This is 92, right? 192. Yeah, or something. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Okay. <clears throat> this is something that uh, I, um, I want to talk about. This So. Good. Um, I want to talk about... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Fascinating. So it's, it's a, it's, it's <laughs> can can you Pontus? Can you make up <laughs> a sentence that makes sense later? <laughs> I think so. <laughs>